Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. to Riverdale After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's singing and dancing and tippity-tapping for the very last time. I'm Alex. When you walk through the darkness and you have a song in your heart, the best thing to do is write a song about your friends and then make them sing it to you. And and it's like sort of, you know, a personal, crossing a personal line, but that's what friendship is all about. I'm Justin. Golly gee, I'm tired of the 50s. I'm Pete. (laughs) Oh boy. Uh Uh-oh, I got some bad news for you in like two minutes then. We're going to be talking about (laughs) Riverdale Season 7, Episode 14, Chapter 131, Archie the Musical. Now, brief bit of recap before we get into this. We are in the final season of Riverdale. This is the final musical episode of the show and the first ever original musical episode with completely original songs. We'll talk about that in a moment. Lots of stuff going on with the characters and their relationships. The specific things that you need to know is Kevin and Clay are dating. They need to keep it secret because it's in the 1950s. Cheryl and Tony are dating. They also need to keep it secret because in the 1950s. So there's been a lot of conversations between the four of them about how out they can be and how public they can be as they wrangle with the homophobia of the time period they're in. Also important to mention, if you've totally tuned out, nobody remembers what has happened in the first six seasons currently. Maybe that'll happen later on. We'll see. But right now, they're all teens in high school again. Also, you should probably know that Betty and Veronica struck up a bit of a flirtation a couple of episodes back. Oh, that was boy. a bit of a swerve from the direction we seem to be heading in, Betty and Archie. Um, at the same time, Archie and Veronica kissed, surprisingly, the last episode, and that's something that we're also dealing with again in this episode. Reggie plays basketball. Fangs and Midge are together. And Archie's Mm. main rival in this time period is Julian Blossom, not Jason Blossom, who they're on the basketball team together. Julian, of course, is Cheryl's brother. And, uh, yeah, they kind of look like each other, and that's something that we deal with in a big way this episode. Big time. Redhead on redhead action. Yes, exactly. Uh, and 
I don't know. That's actually kind of everything that you need to do going on here. They had a bout with communism in the last episode, but we seem to be well past that, though. Feel a little bit of the after effects. And uh, I don't think this was established before. Maybe I'm forgetting, but there's clearly some stuff going on in the Keller family, and that's one of the big emotional threads that we're dealing with in this episode. So we are going to – Justin, it sounded like you were going to say something. Yeah. I I mean, I was just going to say, like, this is a Kevin episode. Is this mm-hmm. the first ever full-on Kevin episode of Riverdale? Well, we had Hedwig, the Hedwig musical, I think in a similar way, sort of balanced Kevin with the rest of the cast, with Archie had the focus on him. But this is definitely like, this, this feels like the big Kevin episode we have been asking for for a very long yes. period of time. Um, do Just before we get too far into it, do we want to do news and get angry, or do we want to talk about the episode and save news for the end? Save Pete's nodding, saying <laughs> Pete's news. Pete wants for to the stay end. sane for the next hour or so before he absolutely blows a gasket. We'll see if it naturally comes up over the course of the conversation. Um, I bet it will, uh, because it's definitely what's going on. Now, But the other thing, slightly controversial thing, and maybe we should save this for the end, I feel like we need to do a real snapshot of the ships right now, because... Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's all it's Save a surprising end, place. Asshole. A, a ship shot? You want to do a ship shot now? Ship shot. Yeah, it's too yeah. early for a, yeah. for that kind of stuff. We save our ship shot for the end of the podcast. You know this, Justin. All right, I'm just saying it's a big <laughs> combo topic. So it I guess is. you want to just talk about 1950s traffic in Riverdale or whatever. Yeah, sure. Well, Pete, actually, what's a safe topic for you? Let's just go through the fucking musical, you know, okay. and break calm down, down the with fucking the episode. Calm down with the language. Just calm down. We're going to talk about it. Uh, I want to talk about my broad feelings, so and I'm curious to see if you guys had the same reaction, because watching this episode, I was a little trepidatious knowing, okay, it's going to be original songs. We'll see how this goes. They've done some great musical episodes. I've said before that I feel like the musical episodes to me are like the purest form of Riverdale. Just everybody's bursting into song all the time. Yeah. This one... Starting off the episode, legitimately, my thought was, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, right at the top of the episode. Yeah, right at the top of the episode, I was like, this song is dumb. The lyrics are dumb. What is happening here? Suddenly, they had a time jump. This is ridiculous. And over the course of the... Yeah, over the course of the episode, as things slowly unfolded, I realized the plot they were going for, the emotional hook they were going for... I was bowled over by the whole thing, and by the end, I was legitimately, like, crying for the last couple of minutes of the episode. So I was very much won over by this. Sounds like you guys had a different experience. So, Pete, you loved it for the first note. You were in it to win it. You're Archie the musical all the way, right? Is that what I'm going to say? No, no. I mean, I I had no idea walking in it was going to be a musical number, so I was like, fuck, here we go. Uh, (laughs) But I, I wasn't, like... You know, some of the music ones over the years have been some really fun episodes. So I was like, all right, you know, they're going to fucking sing, buckle up. And uh, yeah, I mean, I thought overall as an episode, it was okay. But uh, it's just, it's, you know, it's heartbreaking the fact that, uh, you know, we might have to spend the whole fucking last season in this time fucking dash for whatever okay. fucking right. reason. First of all, comment with the language. Second of all, remember when we said we were going to save news to the end? Did you ask? You're, yeah. you're going right into news, buddy. I'm not going into news. I don't know what the news is. I'm just telling you know about how oh, I felt know the news. about okay. what was happening and what was going on. Well, why I don't we leave that 
why don't we leave that fact aside? Because I think this episode has so much to talk about just internal that it doesn't we don't need to even worry about what uh, the calendar says in Riverdale, because I actually thought this episode, I agree with you, Alex, was one of the smartest, more complex episodes that they've mm-hmm. ever done. And not only like pushes the characters down the line in the directions they want to take them in, but also is like a meta meta commentary on Archie as a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. And then a meta commentary on Riverdale and what they, I think is sort of in the mission statement of the show is, you know, taking these characters that are like avatars for being young in America, say, and like showing that it's not, it's way more complex than that. And to use the musical and sort of the bright, shiny, super simple songs and undercutting them throughout and, and developing them and showing these people to be nuanced, building toward Kevin, you know, after confronting all of these changes he's had in internally to him this season to have an external thing like his parents getting divorced, I thought was just like, just really everything firing on all cylinders is what I would say. Yeah. On the base level of the plot, just to be more specific about the thing that I was really bold over about is you have these very dinky, pure musical numbers, very focused on Archie, which on the surface doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, yes, he is the all American boy in the 1950s, but why is Kevin writing a musical about his friend Archie? That it slowly unfolds over the course of the episode that everything is powered by Kevin's panic over the fact that he may have caused his parents divorce by breaking up with Betty and getting together with Clay is so powerfully and so beautifully done and so sneakily unfolded over the course of the episode. Also through the idea of his parents are, I mean, they're not leaving him like his mother very specifically in that really beautiful scene towards the end says, you're my son and I love you unconditionally. Basically like, I know what's going on with you. That was great. That was a nice, incredible, Uh, but that it's not about that. And that's not what's going on, but that everybody else is leaving him over the course of the episode. And he's just holding on tighter and tighter and tighter as he goes to everything. I thought that was great. And then ending in this musical number, and I know I'm jumping to the end here, but I do think it's like the arc of the episode ending in this musical number where everybody gets together and is essentially doing the more realistic, maybe rent style version of the friends forever song that they sing at the beginning is yeah. So beautiful. Friends as, Forever, of course, the Saved by the Bell, the band from Saved by the Bell. Of course, of course. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I was wrong, a, wrong show. I said Rent, but I meant Saved by the Bell, which are very similar properties. The, the, <laughs> the thing at the end, just like uh, having this metatextual commentary of like they wrapped, <laughs> you know, a week and a half ago at this point. And I know this is not the final episode, but having that feeling of these people these actors are saying goodbye to each other at the same time. Just really got me at the end there. Mm. See, interesting. That's a whole nother meta commentary that you're putting on top of this. Yes. Being aware I, I, of, I think like, that's the larger more me putting it on top, but just the idea of them all being together for each other, having everybody come into the music room at the end and be there for I, Kevin and building great stuff. How do they I, know I, the lyrics to the song, Alex, do you think when they walked in? Uh, psychic connections left over from season six. Ooh, wow. Good, nice good save. Answer. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I did feel like <laughs> at the end of it, I was like, oh, this is a nice kind of like curtain call moment where everybody's on stage together singing and performing. So that part was 
very touching. I mean, I could have done without bringing uh, what's her face back. Um, uh, I was like, "Ooh, do we really need to do this? Uh, this is, seems problematic." But I mean, they were really kind of, from the last episode. Yeah. Yeah, that's the last episode. From last episode. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. It's all right. Uh, but I, I it feel It was like... weird that Grundy came in in the middle of Kevin's musical number and was like, add Grundy. Yeah. And yeah. remember the me. Musical. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the director's cut. The director's cut. We got to see that. Yeah, but I, I felt like, um, yeah, it was kind of nice to get them all together one last time. Uh, for the kind of like big finish, so I, I did, I did kind of feel that a little bit as far as like, oh, this is nice that they all get to be together during a musical thing because they don't normally. So I, I thought it was a kind of a cool moment for the actors. Um, so yeah, well, and also just I also think oh, go ahead, Justin. Sorry, I was gonna say I also think that like having Kevin having a, a episode about Archie the musical and then have it actually be sort of Kevin taking center stage sort of on the sly, like you said, Alec, like over the course of the episode was another great gesture toward the theme of like, Hey, I know Archie is this, the main thing we think here, but the characters are all much more complex than you think, even down to a character like Kevin, it's always been shuttled off to the side so much so that this episode can raise him to the front and make it actually Kevin, the musical, is what Mm. this was. Mm. Well, uh, turning to the Archie thing to talk about that, and then we can get into some specific scenes and songs and things from the episode. Uh, The the fact that they force Archie into a place where he has to make a choice, and some choices, mind you, are made for him, but I thought that was a very smart thing to do as well. I, I saw some fans sort of griping that, like, oh, boy, they're just sort of downplaying the whole ship, the whole relationship thing, but, like, that's been the thing we've talked about for seven seasons at this point, that Archie's like, I'm going to be a fireman, and I'm going to be a doctor, and I'm going to be an astronaut, and a policeman. Yeah, and a event. musician. Uh-huh. And they're making fun of that. And then I'm going to be in a fight club, and then I'm going to... And you have that scene in Pop Steiner that I thought was so funny where he can't even decide between salads, <laughs> super salad. Yeah, that's super salad. Um, oh, man. Pop gets tooled in that scene. Uh, Bring it reaction. out. Wrap it up. Pops uh, reaction there like, when he's like, I'm going to take the girl and she's over. He's like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Very funny. You idiot. I've been serving people like you for generations. Well, why, don't we, why don't we talk through this episode a little bit? So we do open up with this musical number where I was completely thrown for a loop. I legitimately believed that, oh, my God, we had a time dash of a year to senior year. Betty has a ponytail. There's that very fun line where Jughead's like, four years feels like I've done it before, because, of course, he has. Um, But all of this stuff, I thought this was such a great setup for the episode in retrospect, because all of those things you're watching where Veronica's talking about, like, this new girl's going to make some moves. And you're like, what's happening? She's been here for months at this point. So... Very good setup for that, and uh, I thought that musical number was dinky, but it's supposed to be dinky. It's yeah, I think that's what's so cool about it is it's almost purposeful how it is very like bright, shiny, boilerplate American musical down to the line. There's no lower, lower art form than American musical comedy. Uh, very funny. Uh, I do have a question though. Like we see Jughead in his train car. Is Hot Dog his legal guardian? Great question. This also partially gets into the news section. I don't want to get into that too much, but uh, he, I I don't know. Yes. Uh, Yes. Because we, I think we don't have an example why he's like allowed to live alone in a train. Like Ethel is like, 
you you need a guardian at all times. You need to be watched by nuns or um, or Alice. And Jughead's like, I live here with my dog in a train. Are there any laws that say a dog can't be your legal guardian? That's what I'm talking about. Air parent. Parent bud. <laughs> parent bud. Parent and is there a bathroom in the train? These are just the oh, questions, you know? This is great. I, I'm I, sure they'll get into it next episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh, liked the ridiculous line, sandwich, in the middle of the song, where Jughead just sees a sandwich and sings about a sandwich. Great. That was good. Um, and I like Kevin and Clay uh, working together on the musical. You know, we talked about this a little bit, but Clay, I think, is such a great addition to the show. I love him with Kevin. Oh, I love his God, presence. Yeah. He's so good. Yeah. Well, and I love that their relationship. Still, still great. Wait, what did you but say? But the Clavin relationship. <clears throat> I was just going to say a little underused, but really great. Yeah, we don't really necessarily get an emotional arc necessarily for Clay this episode, but I just think like... Or ever. <laughs> or ever. But he fits into the cast really nicely. If there was more time and more seasons, I think we'd see more of him potentially. What were you going to say, Justin? I was going to say, the Clavin relationship is really nice, and I like that they haven't... Once they sort of got together, there hasn't been a lot of internal drama to them. They just seem like genuinely happy and in love. And I think that's something that we've talked about in all the other seasons, like... Why is Kevin so bad at just like feeling love and being able to to be in that? He always seems to like sort of go the other way. And it's just nice that they've let that be just a really nice relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we get Jughead and Reggie basically immediately leave after the musical number. They're like, we don't want anything to do with this. Thank you so much. Uh, And then we get a a second song right off. I couldn't believe that we were jumping right into musical numbers. This is like full-on musical episode, and we get that Julian Archie song where they're singing what's supposed to be the same part, but it's not really because it's a duet. Uh, what'd you guys think about that one? It is a weird way to run a rehearsal to have the understudy and the main character sing, the main actor sing the song at the same time. <laughs> Very same time, though. It's a great way to kind of, you know... Yeah. Well, what I thought exactly. was funny We about should that all talk like, about our, our podcast takes at the same time so we could save time. We, we kind of already do that. Yeah. We just yeah. do it like three times in a row. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I really like this because that was, once again, like a thought that was happening the entire time. Clearly, they wrote this as a duet. It works as a duet with Julian just copying everything that Archie is doing. I liked calling that out. This question we have of like, what is Julian doing here? He's basically like... Archie with a little more classic Reggie, what is happening? And to point that out very specifically in this episode that I thought was fun. And then also point out the fact that like, this doesn't work as a duet and this doesn't make any sense immediately afterwards was also fun. I thought it was a good musical number. Yeah. I enjoyed it as well. It's nice to see Julian and Archie just like at each other and like fun, like boy, boy way. Like when they're Mm -hmm. running and just like pushing each other off. It was good. Well, just to ask a question about Julian, though, he has been this really awful antagonist for Archie and pretty much everybody else all season. Do you think do you think he got knocked out a peg enough by Hiram the last episode that he's able to be in this place where he's more like part of the gang this episode or just is taking just, off his shirt and singing with everybody acting yeah. like he hasn't been a cultural asshole the whole season. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's or, the nice thing about musicals, right? If you just start singing, then it's, Hey, everything is okay. Yeah. It's all. Yeah. Copacetic. That works. That works. Anytime I'm in a compromising situation, just yep. sing. 
Offices. And as far as I know, I mean, I, I haven't done theater in a while, but there's no drama in the musical theater scene, right? Like, everyone, oh, everyone just gets you, along. How Very little competition. You. Yeah, everybody's like, sounds good. Let's do another musical. Yay. Got, got We're just save. a chorus line. <laughs> Don't throw shade at uh, musical theater geeks. Come on, man. Oh, okay. It's the lowest form of, uh, lowest art form. American yes. musical comedy. Uh, and we touched on this earlier, but then we get the great line where they're pushing Archie about his I want song and he doesn't know what he wants. And uh, I think it's Kevin points out that, like, if you don't know what you want, not to mention you're a poorly defined main character if you want too many yeah. things. Um, very, I love it. That is very fun. I'm, yeah. Self-roast. Real quick, though, before we move off Julian, I would just want to say, like, I think the reason why he's part of the gang is, uh, and maybe I'm pushing this this idea too much, but like, I think he's with the kids, you know, he's like, as we're setting up this culture, like the adults versus the kids. And it feels like it's more and more that like, I think he's at least in the middle. So like, I think that's why he's been sort of less of a villain now. Hey, okay. I think they just needed him to do a musical number this episode, yeah. to be honest, what? because he, but he's, I don't know. I he's a Broadway like... guy. So in real yeah, life, always has been, he was, Oh, he is really, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's uh, he's been in. I don't. I think it was a musical, but uh, as far as I have heard, Roberto Hirasakasa saw him in a show, and while watching him in a show, was like, "Hey, what if we had him be Julian Blossom? That would be interesting." So that's fun. Yeah, uh, but I was going to say, I think Hiram knocking him down was sort of being like, "Hey, um, I'm a villain. You're mm-hmm. a kid. <laughs> like, there's a difference here." Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it, I would love for that to be part of the development of Julian, but I only because I've watched several seasons of Riverdale, I believe we'll be back to being an asshole next episode, probably. You yeah, could be probably. an asshole and not be a villain, right? But you can't right? be an asshole and sing. <laughs> Justin, who are you asking for right now? Just well, myself. <laughs> myself. Oh, no. Uh, we uh, did touch a yeah. little bit on the meta stuff. It is getting a little bit like, all right, you know what I mean? Like I every once in a while, but I think it's getting a little heavy handed at points, especially when they're like, oh, this really feels like a 1950s just uh, commentary. I really love this for oh, you. I don't and know. I the two like, lines that I laughed out loud at were. I think it was Tony saying, wowza, you completely capture the feeling of being in a queer interracial relationship yes. of the 1950s. Yep. 50s, yeah, that made me laugh out loud. And the other one, uh, when I, I think the line was the being like, what kind of word is frenemies? The cut to Kevin where he's like, I invented, I invented it. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I, understand love, what, I agree. That made me laugh. I understand what you're saying, Pete. Like, I agree with you. There's a point when it becomes... How how much does it become like you're removed from yeah. the material that you're actually watching? But I, I can't hate it too much because it they're it hitting it hard, though, and they keep going to it. And I'm wondering it's either get to a place where they do it so much it becomes funny again for me. But right now I'm just mm. like, fuck you. You've got me stuck in the fucking 50s. And you okay, keep hitting okay, this thing. okay, okay. All right. All right. We're saving that for the end. We're saving the I'm curse bu- time for the end. I'm glad we moved news to the end. First off, uh, yeah, but actually, second, it's called it's called cursing time. Cursing time happens uh, after uh, ship shots. Yep. Should we, <laughs> wow, great! <laughs> great. Are we speaking in 1950s language now? Uh, get your ship shots before cursing time. Yeah, uh, I don't know. You guys are getting me all dipsy doodle this episode. Um, yeah, you're just a khaki wacky girl. We were talking about uh, Hiram. It's it's nice to have Hiram back. That was last episode again. Last episode, but he's yes. in this one, isn't he? No, no. Damn it! 
<laughs> you guys mentioned him, and you're, I was like, you're hey, blurring. I, I, it's great to be back with him. Yeah, but the Flippy uh, Peepees were to, back. Yeah, they're floating over the whole episode. <laughs> I want to say, like, Pete, I feel like your frustration with this season grows. Is there an, a Riverdale episode or even moment that you can think of? And maybe you don't even have to answer right now. That is like your peak Riverdale where you're like, that's the one. Or that's the time. You're talking about yeah. over the course of all seven over the, seasons. Over the series, yeah. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, we got to go back, back, back. Um, yeah, for me, Peak Riverdale is a bughead fighting crime, working together, accepting each other and their darkness. And uh, uh, But that and- was a longer, that was a longer story. I, I was, because I, I know that, but I'm curious what, because how it, you see the show and how it like sort of has an arc to it. Feels like I'm curious where your peak point was. If it was like when they were unraveling the Gargoyle King, or no, I already, I already answered the question. I'm sorry, it wasn't acceptable for you, but that I just, <laughs> no, I'm just asking. I'm asking you to be more specific because that's the interesting part. I if I, someone punched me in the face on the street, you and said, "What's Pete's <laughs> favorite part of Riverdale?" I'd be say Bughead, and you'd be, they'd be like, "Yes." Yeah, but we all know that. Right. Um, I'm just curious, Alex, do you have like a peak moment uh, in time? Um, peak moment in time. You're saying like the, the, when the show was at the height of its powers? Hey, For hey, you, I've been yeah. doing podcasts long enough with you, Justin, to know what is yours? Because you well, usually I, tee us I, up when you have a good answer. So aren't no, you I would never. I, would, I truly, I'm is. not, I'm not trying to tee. I mean, you could probably guess my answer. A, B, I was curious what, I was more about you, Pete, because. I, I see you like liking it less. And so I'm curious what the peak was, but Alex, you already answered yours in a vague way. Alex, what was yours? Uh, I mean, again, this is like, I guess kind of vague, but for me, I think the show was probably just peak during season two. And then like we talked about the last episode, I really uh, sort of fondly in a weird way, look back at season three for the insanity. Um, I, that said, I am really enjoying this season. I like this season a lot. It might be my favorite season of the show since season one, but we'll have to see how it turns out. You I think a lot like of Justin. that depends on the last couple of episodes and how well, it sort of rounds out as a story. Just my answer is this the latest. My answer is this season, like yep. this episode, like this yeah, show is peaking course. right now. It's peaking right now. <laughs> of course. That doesn't make sense, Justin. You know that, right? Why doesn't I mean, that make sense? Like this, when you're climbing this, a mountain, you keep going up until you yeah, get to the top. Yeah, but you can't say that this is peak because they went back in time. It just you, Pete, just to help you show out here a little bit. You also know, Justin. We'll just pretend you're not here for a second. You know, Justin has recency bias, right? He always loves the last. Always, thing always. But okay, saying so that your favorite part is a thing that the show, ne- like the show, started in present day, and then we went back to the '50s, and you're going, "I like the flashback." You get that doesn't make sense. You know, what but I mean? here's the thing, because that, that's what I'm getting at with asking you about your favorite parts of the series, because. And I know we're not talking about this episode, but I think in this final season, you got to get self-reflective a little bit. Um, I think that like, because I'm not about the, what the calendar is and what the time is. And this, this isn't a flashback. This is the natural narrative progression of, of Riverdale. I think the characters are at their most complex and peak development wise right now, because the creatives, the creative team has had the most time with all of it. And I think they, unlike some shows that do like fall off a little bit, I think this show has 
just gotten better and expanded their toolbox as the series has gone on. Hard disagree, my friend. Well, why don't we get back to the episode in particular that we're talking about? So immediately after this, we get the first out of musical musical number where Kevin and Clay sing to each other about being in love. I thought this was great. I love the oh, dancing with the yeah. lights on the Riverdale high steps. I thought that was so lovely. And this is not to blow up a little bit of the news portion. This is not one of the things that I want to talk about. But uh, Casey Cott is headed to Broadway. He's going to play Christian, I believe is the name of the character in Moulin Rouge. And I almost felt like this right here was his audition tape. Like, obviously, he has several <laughs> seasons of it. But watching this, I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to crush that. He's going to do a great job. That's awesome. Honestly, I thought this whole episode was a backdoor uh, audition for a Archie Broadway show. Mm -hmm. Well, so just to mention something about that, I think it was a play and not a musical, but it does kind of bring things full circle in terms of the way that Riverdale ostensibly started was Roberto Aguirre Sacasa did a show that was a parody of the Archie comics characters where Archie was gay and everybody else was gay. He did it at this underground theater. Archie comics shut it down. They eventually brought it back and changed the names and a little bit of the circumstances so legally they could do it. But that's what pretty much directly led to most of Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa's career, it certainly led to him eventually becoming chief creative officer over, I think that was the title, over at Archie. It led to Riverdale. So to go from this like underground show that essentially sparked the idea that would become Riverdale to eventually doing the Archie the musical is, I think, a nice way of bringing it around towards the end here. Yeah, that's right. awesome. I didn't know that I, story. That's great. Yeah, that's uh... Thanks yeah. for sharing that. Pete, <laughs> Pete, the level you're barely caring about any of this right now is breaking my heart. But why don't we get to something that you probably absolutely hated after we get this beautiful number with Kevin and Clay, that we get Cheryl, Tony, Betty, and Veronica singing about wanting Archie with a The Boy Is Mine style song. Um, I thought this number was horrifying in terms of like putting Cheryl and Tony in this uh, perspective, but also a great number divorced from that. Pete, what did you think? Well, well what made me kind of uh, regain uh, consciousness after an anger rage, I, I think it's one of those things where the fact that they were like, hey, why did you just tack us on there? And then Kevin being like, well, you guys complained. So I just kind of like threw you in this number, which was a very kind of meta thing uh, in itself. But I thought at least I was like, OK, well, that makes more sense, because otherwise it's like completely against who they've been this whole time. So um, uh, I thought the explanation was meta and I guess a little cute, but um Again, they're fucking hitting that really hard. Which really hard? Meta, he's saying. Oh, meta. meta. Oh, like, man. You're so yeah. bummed out right now. Justin, what did you think about this one? I really liked it. I As soon as it was going and they had uh, we had Cheryl and Tony being like, I love Archie, too. I was like, this this is about to be undercut so hard. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I also think it was interesting that the scene with Cheryl and Archie, and it's like, I pulled out my pom-poms. Archie was mine. That was set to be just like the moment when they had their kiss from earlier this season mm -hmm. in the episode when they're and I, I thought that was a smart way to sort of remind us like they've had Cheryl had to do this in real life, not just in this musical number. So that was really cool. And I like where it gets when they come out, they have their roasts of the song. 
Uh, and then like, we'll write the song and they task Kevin and Clay with writing something honest and gets us a great moment later on in the episode. I will mm-hmm. say one thing as a Shoney shipper here that made me a little bad watching this musical number is Shoney fans have been waiting six seasons at this point to see Tony and Cheryl on a bike together riding. And that we finally got Tony riding on a bike with somebody, but it was Archie. Very annoying. Very annoying. Wait, sorry. Shoney fans have been waiting six seasons for them on a bike. Yes. <laughs> okay. Sweet little motorcycle rides. Hashtag right, sweet little know. motorcycle rides. I bet, I guess I haven't been up on that hashtag. Yeah, mm-hmm. Justin. I mean, when people get together, then you got to have them on different, moving vehicles to show their love. I mean, what do you, what do you, mm-hmm. haven't yeah, you, you, move. you saw when Elon Musk tweeted out this thing. He's like, Hey, we're limiting the rate here on Twitter. A post you can read unless it's hashtag sweet little motorcycle rides. Then you can read as much as you want. I'm sorry. Uh, that makes I, sense. I, I lost consciousness. Are we talking about Elon Musk right now? <laughs> always. Yeah. The well, subtext yeah. of our podcast is we're always talking about Elon Musk. Well, podcast. then yeah. I quit. <laughs> and we and we end the ep- each episode by giving out blue sky invites to all of our greatest fans. Right? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, yes, we don't need to spend time on this. I just wanted to say that out loud because it was some, a thought in my head, and that's yeah. You wanted to plug work. Elon real quick, give him some not what's that, up. Not that the hashtag sweet little motorcycle rides hashtag. Is that, is, real, is that a real hashtag? No, but it is now. <laughs> it, is on, it is. It is on blue trending sky. right now. Alex, let me ask you, are there yeah, other things that, quote-unquote, Shoney fans have been waiting six seasons for besides <laughs> yeah, like sweet little other... motorcycle rides? Could sure, you give us a list? If I, could, if I could think of what uh, Shoney fans would want, uh, Raincast would be good. Uh, Snow Coast would be good. Uh, hashtag, Snow ha- hashtag Shoney Wedding. That would be nice. Hashtag Shoney Babies. Uh, hashtag Shoney the Next Generation. All of these things. Is that like sort Muppet of things- Babies, but with uh, Cheryl and Tony? The yeah, Shoney babies. Right, yeah. where they're both nanny's legs and also the babies themselves <laughs> somehow. I don't know how that works. We haven't worked out. The, uh, they haven't worked out that part. But you know, Oh, good. Happening. Wow. Good save little slip there. up nice there. Whoops. there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's happening. Let's get that spit off uh, trending, folks, and I'm sure it'll happen. The new CW is super into that type of stuff. Uh, why don't we move on, new though, CW's. because Cheryl challenges them to write something true, which I really like that bit a bit. Uh, but then we get uh, Archie getting a new song where he has to decide between Betty and Veronica. Um, I, the songs got steadily better for me over the course of the episode, just in terms mm. of structure of songs. I really like this one. I like the way that it was filmed, like having him sit at a movie theater yeah. and watch a movie of Betty and Veronica, particularly now that we know that the characters are not on board with these songs that Kevin are writing. I felt much better about the material that they're singing about. Um, I also love the shot of Veronica absolutely just jabbing onion rigs into Archie's mouth. That was very funny. Um, what do you guys think about this one? Pete's so, just giving uh, thumbs up. Just a thumbs got, up. Pete is defeat depeated. You've been depeated. Hashtag depeated. Hashtag. Uh, I mean, they sang song. throughout the whole up. You know what I mean? It's just more singing. <laughs> oh my uh, wow. God. Wow. Uh, but the, that's the last thing that, I guess. Pete says. And the, no, I, I have. I have stuff to say. Yeah, I mean, please. this. We talked a lot about uh, the. Um, 
comic book series where it was like a dream uh, situation where Archie uh, marries Veronica and in turn marries Betty and he sort of saw both of those lives. I feel like this is like the close. We talked about that maybe being part of the story this season back before it started. And I like that they, I think, gestured to it here when he's watching the two sides of it on the movie screen. I thought that was cool. Yeah. And also the interesting perspective about this, I think, is that it's not necessarily Archie thinking this. It's Kevin thinking Archie is thinking this. And that's how he's writing the song, Um, though. Obviously, it does tie into Archie a little bit because it forces him to step away from the musical in terms of actually trying to make a decision. Um, We can probably talk about the Betty Veronica stuff a little bit rather than just like trucking through this, because. Right after this, Betty and Veronica have a conversation where Veronica confesses that she kisses Archie uh, and Betty and Veronica decide to focus on their friendship. Then later in the episode, after singing a song to each other written by none other than Cole Porter, and it definitely sounds like mm. a Cole Porter song. The huge um, Cole Porter influence. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was a it was a fun plug in the middle of this episode for Cole Porter. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's going to be huge for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, have you guys heard of Cole Porter? Uh-huh. No? Well, man. The way Veronica says the way Veronica says Cole Porter, it's like she doesn't know him. Definitely. The name dropping is very like Cole Porter. Also, I gotta say, I did really like that song. I thought that was one of the better songs of the episode. That is not a Cole Porter song. That is a Disney song, no. maybe. Yeah. Uh, and I don't say that derisively. I like Disney songs, but uh, they do so the song and like they feel something primal between each other and decide to maybe try being with each other. What do we think about the development of the Veronica relationship over both Barchi and Varchi? I know this is probably for well, ship I, shots, but we can do it right now. This is definitely what prompted ship shots as mm-hmm. a uh, branded new branded segment for um, the podcast in its final season. But I, I do think like, the way that the the show is sort of moving toward them, it's I think it's surprising. I think it feels real. Like this episode made it real. I think uh, beyond anything. So I, I'm curious where just now I think anything's on the table that we've truly sort of broken the the all the predisposed ideas of the the ship ship shots. Pete? Hey, did you guys know Cole Porter wrote songs for both uh, uh, film and television musicals? <laughs> yes, wow. I did. Nice. For, for, I'm sorry, not television, uh, stage and film mm-hmm. musicals. Yeah, yeah. But I also like to moving back were you to what looking we're up to check to see if he was <laughs> dead. Was that what you were looking up? Pete? No, I just if the show no, was he going so want to talk hard, about I figured I go, I do some googling and uh, you know, uh, and, and see. Look okay. into the Cole Porter situation. Well, I'm glad you really dug deep and found that fact. The yeah. Cole Porter situation. Yeah. Uh, I also think like the radical honesty that Betty and Veronica have, like none of the other characters have that. And I think that's what gets in a way a lot of their relationships, like all the like Barchi stuff, the Reggie and Veronica, all that. Like it feels like they just aren't being direct with each other. And Betty and Veronica are very mm-hmm. comfortable being direct with each other. And I think that's that's important. I, one of the nice things about uh, this season is we are getting more B&V time. You know what I mean? So that's been nice. Uh, the two of them together are great together. Uh, so it's it's always nice when they get some time to uh, kind of talk or make out or whatever. Yes. But uh, they, uh, they, they're two great actresses. And, and when they're together uh, in, in a scene, it's it's nice. Yeah. Clearly, Lily Reinhardt and Camilla Mendes have 
chemistry with each other. And I think that's what they're playing off of. Like we've talked about, this is their last chance to do all of that stuff on this show. So why not try every iteration of things? I'm still kind of dubious that Veronica is endgame, even though we are getting very close to the end here. But I don't know. Like you said, they they basically like, what what is it? Like flip the card table, I guess is the expression at this point. Yeah. So whatever seemed clear going into episode 10 seems much less clear here on episode 14. I also think it explains a little bit more of the Varchi kiss, which we talk, we speculated, what does this mean? And now I think from a like writing point of view, it was to get us to this scene mm-hmm. and this, this relationship. Like, I don't know. It feels like Varchi is less of a thing and more of just like what prompted them to connect. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, wild times at the old Riverdale. A- after this, we get a scene of Tom is sleeping at the police station. This ties into the whole divorce storyline. I think this is the first time we've seen Kevin's mom in seven seasons. So yes. that's pretty surprising. Yep. Uh, but I liked her. She was good. Good character. Yeah. It was um, great. It was absolutely, I didn't believe uh, it for a 1950s mom, but I, it was very sweet and touching and what you wanted the mom to say for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it seemed like there there was a moment in that scene where Clay is staying over at Kevin's and he sneaks out the window where she comes yeah. in and is like, we're going to have dinner, all three of us, where I thought maybe she was inviting Clay because she knows what's happening. Yeah. But then it's not. It's about her dad and they're getting a divorce. Oops. Uh, we get after that a great quartet. I think this was probably my second favorite number in the episode, but between Kevin, Clay, Tony, and Cheryl, uh, where they sing about their love for each other. They have a great duo of lines where uh, Kevin, I think it's Kevin or Clay, says, I'd fight a man for you. And then Tony says, I'd fight a girl for you, which I thought was very cute. Um, But I really love this number. And the ending of it was very sad that Kev, Kevin was like, no, we're never going to perform this for anybody. But yeah. I, I was glad Tony and Cheryl stood up for themselves against Kevin and Clay in that moment. Yeah, yeah I really, really thought good. they were going to turn and look at the camera like, we're not going to perform this for anyone. <laughs> Wink. Wink. Justin? Uh, I, I also enjoyed a lot. of. I love that it was a love song into a sex song. Like they're just like straight up getting mm-hmm. it right at the end. Yeah, there you go. Um, I all love songs. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Prove to me, oh name one love song that doesn't immediately become a sex song. You can't because they don't. Can't do that. Uh, then we get the super salad scene, which we talked about, which is very fun. There was one thing that I wanted to ask about that. There's an interesting shot that they choose. There's just like a Jughead camera reveal where it spins around pops. And it's like, surprise, Jughead was there with Archie the whole time. It sort of felt to me, I don't think this is what they were going for, but it sort of felt to be a very similar shot when they've had the angel Gabriel sitting at Pop's counter right. giving advice yeah. to people. Did you get that sense at all? I didn't get that sense. Are you saying Jughead's an angel? Yeah. The Jughead is a beautiful angel brought to earth 100%, yes. Mm, wow. I thought it was interesting because it was like, uh, who's Archie talking to? Jughead? They're barely <laughs> friends. They should talk more. There was a, they like high fived in the opening number. I want to see more Jughead Archie before we wrap up sure. the show. Um, so yeah, it was nice to see them together. 
Um, then we get the Betty and Veronica dumper, which we talked about, which I thought was great. They talk about it in the common room. Archie, well, there's that. Oh, sorry, yeah. but before, before that, we get um, Archie talking to Frank, saying yeah, he's out of say, basketball. Let's not step over Justin's uh, check-in with Uncle Frank at what stage of turning into a monster he is or a Ken doll. He's not turning into a monster. He's turning into a Ken doll as a tie-in to the Barbie movie. But Who's also thought, masquerading as a monster. I also thought that he, uh, Frank, is turning into the guy in the movie Office Space who's like, hey... Wait, you wh- know who I mean? Which guy, dude? Yeah, which guy? The guy who lives, who's the neighbor of yeah, the main the neighbor character. guy? <laughs> yeah. The actor who was on the Drew Carey show and then yeah, the later yeah, Pam- Pamela guy. Adlon yeah, yeah. show. Is that Diedrich Bader or? Yeah, Diedrich he- Bader. Yep. Okay. Frank's turning. He's like, hey, man, you got to do basketball. We love it. Poetry? What is that? Like all those words? Nah, nah, man. We need you. I'm also interested where this storyline is going to go. Like, how does that pan out with Archie becoming a poet? Like, is that where we're stuck with now for the rest of the series? Are we going to end with Archie publishing his book of poetry, going on tour? How, I don't know. First off, how dare you say stuck with, okay? Um, Archie has been many things to many people, but, you know, uh, poetry Archie could be his final form. I mean, it well, certainly seems like it, I guess. I feel like it could easily be go back into singer songwriter Archie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what is poetry, but songs that don't have music yet. Oh, good Ooh, point. Wow. Uh, yeah. I used to, I, I used to play in a band that did Emily Dickinson songs. Um, <laughs> you were, it was a death metal, right? Yeah. It was a death metal, Emily Dickinson band called. Uh, I just want something. Yeah. <laughs> so called not- we're the snake. We're the snake. <laughs> I'd like to not hate Uncle Frank, uh, so if he could just stop being a douchebag, that would be great. If we could find some kind of better use for Uncle Frank than mm-hmm. coming in and just saying horrible things, that'd be cool. We'll see. Uh, He's, like Chelsea has been talking thing. about, the parents are not great here, except for Tom, who seems okay this episode, other than getting a divorce. But you know. and, uh, He seems very tired. Kevin's mom Ke- also is great. Kevin's mom, yeah. Yeah, maybe that was what was throwing me a little bit was parents being nice a little bit in this episode. Uh, But I don't know. Maybe it's just a one off. Um, Then we get the fun scene of Archie telling Betty and Veronica that he's not going to kiss anyone or at least try to for a while with the barely caring. Very funny. Uh, I love love uh, fond there. He's like, I'm fond of you. And they both fond. (laughs) That was funny. Later Gators. Yeah. Uh, we get the Kevin parents are getting divorced scene, which very sad in pops, but very beautifully lit. And then we get the musical performance for he- Featherhead, which is absolutely wild because Julian is Archie, Clay is Jughead, Fags is Reggie, and then everybody else is playing themselves. It's great. Super fun. Hilarious. Super ridiculous number. Really good. Uh, and then we also get the metal line, which you probably hated, Pete, that original musicals are tough sells. Yep. Yeah. Truth. Because Pete... Uh, it's we should have mentioned this up top. You're a musical producer, right? You produced Into the Woods in the original production on Broadway, <laughs> and you were like, yeah, No, the nope. second act, I know it's dark, but it has to stay. It's important, yeah, it's important for Sondheim. Children, listen, that's what she said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get the end of the episode. We've talked already about this a bunch with this number. Archie comes in, tells Kevin about his choice to ask him to play the song. Everybody sings and cries, and I cried. And that's the end of the episode. Uh, before 
we move on to our new section, or I guess ship shots that we've kind of already done that. Any other notes from the episode you want to call out? Any other scenes? Uh, there was an important scene during the Betty and Veronica song when they're uh, running for their co-presidency. Yeah. Where Dilton runs up to an, get an autograph with his big old hog. <laughs> Remember that scene? Uh, well, he doesn't uh, run yeah. up to get an autograph with his big old hog. He get, runs up to get an autograph and has a big old hog. That's yeah, right. That's what I mean. Yeah, to yeah, be clear. It's very funny that now to that they've clear. said that, when Dilton shows up, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's that uh, guy with a big dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, every episode I, from now on. I did also like the uh, clay kiss uh, at that last number thing. That I thought that mm-hmm. was a little sweet, little nice thing. And the yeah. B&V handhold, telling uh, you. Yeah, in front of everybody. Hands. They're out now, I guess. Going to be really interesting to see how all of that pans out. Why don't we move into the news so we can get to the screamy, screamy? Well, I just want to say it was a very, just to reiterate what you said, it was a very sweet ending and kind of a nice kind of like, oh, you know, like all these people love to sing and dance and they got to do it together here one last time. So as someone who's been through a lot with these people, it was nice to see them kind of together having fun like that. Yeah. And overall, kudos to the show for trying to do an original musical. I think that is doing a musical episode in general is hard. And this is an extra level of difficulty. And I think I think they did it. So, yeah, definitely. Well, let's get into this episode. Yes. This is the best Uh, episode of the series. Let's get into the news section. I'm trying to think where I should start with. Let me start with the slightly maddening thing, but at the same time, maybe not as maddening for certain people on this podcast. Yeah, we got the ships before news, right? Or ships before news? Yeah. We, covered, we covered the ships. We yeah. covered the ships. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about ships, Pete? Okay, well, it's I'm time just... for ship shots where we take a shot of ships and we take a shot at guessing what the ships are going to do. Pete, ship shot away. Uh, yeah, I just say, you know, uh, it's been lovely uh, as a Shoney shipper uh, to see them. And, uh, you know, Clay and Kev is also uh, very heartwarming. So if, you know, Bughead has to die so they can rise and, you know, if I lose that ship, I don't know, man, as we're getting closer, it's not looking good, but I'm not giving up hope. But um, it is really nice to see uh, Clay and Kevin and Shoney together. Um, so that's what I'm holding on to as we unwind here and the show kicks me more and more in the nuts as it ends. Mm -hmm. Well, here's two more nut kicks for you then, Pete. The first nut kick is, well, they're tied together. I interviewed Majin Amick about the last episode, which he directed and asked her a bunch of questions about the episode and putting it together. And I recommend nothing to do with me, like go read it because she had some really interesting things to say in terms of how she constructed the episode, uh, the previous one and directed certain scenes. Uh, but the things that people and I certainly reacted to, the first thing that I asked her was about, uh, is it didn't seem like Skeet Ulrich was on set at any point. Um, is Phallus done or is there still hope there? And she said, no, Skeet Ulrich is not coming back to the show. There is not. See, why would you do that? Why would you? I need now. There's there's no hope. My job as a journalist to ask ask questions now. Yes. Well, here's the thing. Just because Orange. Can I I just mention something? So she said specifically there is going to be no Phallus Endgame. Uh, She said that they were trying to do an episode around him. I assume similar to how they did an episode around Mark Consuelos, meaning like it would have been. 
42 minutes, but he would have been like, and FP comes back in the episode, but it didn't work out for whatever reason. Uh, and she said that Alice does end up with somebody else at the end. Interesting. Ah! I know what you were Somebody about to say, Justin. That's why I wanted to throw that out. Yeah, you headed me off at the pass. I was going to say, you can, you can shoot F Palace happening without showing ski. No, you yeah, can, just get, you can, a, you can get on digital... the back of a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. All we need is a motorcycle. No, we we already got uh, robbed of sweet little hashtag sweet little motorcycle rides. Is that what it was? <laughs> For so uh, so this is one. my problem. Like I was going to go watching the show, holding hope for F Palace. And then you and your stupid journalism comes in and fucking <laughs> destroys all my dreams. <laughs> stupid journalism. Oh, well, you're not going to like the second half of news. I'll tell you that much. Like, what, but let me, why let me also you do say that, man. Give us because some it hope. Gives you, it, you can have hope for something else. And how about well, this? Is what about Kevin Ke- or uh, Tom Keller recently single? Maybe could be could be Tom Keller could Tom. be Frank could be. I guess there are some pictures of some random old guy on set. Could be random old guy. I guess uh, the I will say from my perspective, I am I was very sad when I heard that from her. I would personally rather know that in advance rather than watch the finale being like, when's he going to show up? No. Is he going to show this up? Is when's he going to show up? What's going to happen? Like, it, I'd rather be sad now than getting my hope up for 42 minutes because legit, the only two end games I actually care about on any level about the show are Phallus and Shodi. We're not getting Phallus. As long as we get Shodi, I'm going to be okay. Yeah, but you just destroyed somebody's fucking hopes and dreams. And now we're going to blame you instead of the show. That's you know fine. what I mean? Like, it's your fucking fault. I'll, who, I'll be your who, dark night. I'll be your dark night. <laughs> Because I can take it. I am. I mean, I guess that that's just different personal preference on how you like to take it. Yeah, content, I don't but like I, to know shit when I'm going into the last. I do think, and I understand what you're saying. This is not to be like, no, Pete, think this way instead. But I do think there's a difference between knowing shit in advance, like spoilers, and knowing things that are non-spoilers in terms of it's not going to happen. Like, this is not yeah. a thing that's going to exist. But I, I understand I that's not how you feel. That's just how I feel. Yeah, and I'm also not disagreeing with your feelings. But for me personally, like, when I hear see, like, a door like that close, it just gives more direction to, like, oh, what's the next possible? If she's going to be with someone at the end, who's who's on the table? Like, let's give us more Yeah, but now that speculate. you know this piece of information, it, it doesn't help you going into the episode being this kind of wide-eyed like ooh there's all possibilities you know this is fucking taken away from you and whatever well, bullshit Alex is going to say next so it's like you know now I have to uh, uh, live with this information as instead of going in being like I got hopes maybe it's going to happen maybe it's not now it's like huh, well, I, I, well Alex ruined Pete, this me, part for me now I gotta if, watch it and what if Major Amick was lying to Alex? Have you thought about that? It's possible. Well, let's hope so. I don't think so, but does that give you hope? <laughs> I ho- I I don't know, man. I don't know anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, uh, this she has wasn't been a lying. Dark ride. Maybe she's lying. So think about that. Uh, well, here we go. I'm about to break your heartbeat. Uh, the second thing, which I will say, I cannot uh, legitimately believe that she told me, uh, but they yes, are agreed. Yeah. Uh, and I gave her, I was like, I know you probably don't want to get into spoilers about this, but. What are you I, about I asked to her, do right now? I asked her if they were leaving the I don't 1950s. Know, Pete, I honestly don't know if you should if you should listen to this, Pete. Yeah, Pete, you might want to take off your headphones. I asked if they were going to leave the 1950s, and she said no. 
Fuck you. <laughs> the whole thing, the whole ride is going to be 50s. So she did say something Here, that was nonspecific this, where she was like, sucks now. They will just, explore. Just listen, they listen. will explore dimensions was the word she used. So it seems to me like we might see other aspects of the characters in other ways towards the end. Maybe they zoom forward in time. She was obviously very nonspecific about that because she was not going to lay out the whole ending. But so there you go. So now it, what you well, said is true. Well, here's the reason I asked this specifically is because. Mind you, they're not doing like a 24-hour live feed of the set, but right up until the end, everybody was in their 1950s costumes. So I did but feel o- they could obligated. have shot something before all that. Absolutely. They, 100%. They were, before we put on 50s, because like from a designer aspect, like let's do all this first and then Well, entirely possible. Here. And I will say in they both directions. They could have directions. something in the can. Yes. That in it, both directions – it is very hard to take all of their 1950 sets and change them over to like modern sets or whatever they want to do. We've talked to Denise Nadreje, who's in charge of that lot of stuff. And I think she was the one who told us that like they changed over the entire set from uh, high school to the seven year time jump in basically one weekend. So they have the capacity to do that. But the thing that was kind of raising my alarm bells here was that for them to turn it into a modern set and then back to the 1950s set for the very last day of shooting seems like a unnecessary expense and time suck, which I couldn't yeah. believe they would do. So that's why I was curious you wouldn't about do it. That. Yeah. But here's the thing. I think, and Pete, you tell me because you have very specific desires here. If they get their consciences back, consciences back, will they, will that be enough for you? If they are aware of their lives, even if their physical bodies never leave the fifties, if they are aware of everything that you're but aware of. But that's kind of shitty. I don't want them to be stuck in the 50s. Well, I don't think if, okay, let, me, let me throw out a scenario to you. The scenario, and I think we talked about this on the last episode, or maybe two episodes back, but the scenario is like, they are stuck in the 1950s the entire time. They get their memories back, and they make the choice, the active choice to stay there. Like, they're given yeah. that choice by Angel Tabitha. She's like, okay... I can return you to the regular Riverdale timeline. It's going to be post-Comet things. So the town's going to be destroyed and like a bunch of people are dead. Baby Anthony is very large in this timeline. Do you want to go mm. back there or do you want to stay in the 1950s where all these possibilities are open to you? Obviously, like the real world concern is you're staying in a place where the homophobia and racism is a little more overt than it is in the modern times. A little bit more. Just a, I'm being glib here, but like okay. a lot of it uh, more overt. But at the same time, like we've been talking about over the course of the season, these are characters that are more emotionally realized at this point that understand themselves more and are more mature and moving to a more clear place. So I could see a possibility where they're presented with that choice and they realize no way our lives are more open to happiness now than they were in that previous timeline. Let's stay here. Let's continue this path and see what happens. And I would say that's dubious, but go ahead, Justin. Sorry. I would say that's the whole point of the show. I mean, the beginning of the show is like Riverdale's the town with pep underneath it is all this darkness. If the, the whole point of this season is that they go back in time and undo the darkness and create this, utopia for like their this generation where they can all be happy they can be themselves they break free of the conservative world over top of them i think that is pays off the sort of essential promise and the, the original sin of the the first season and okay, if you're talking right. about oh, 
You assholes have said enough for a little bit. So I listen. just wanted to make a joke what? about Kid Nation. That's all. Go ahead. So, Kid Nation, yeah. yeah. So, as I recall, the original premise of the first season was Riverdale. You think it's this thing, but there's murder here. This isn't the thing that you think from the 1950s comic. This is an updated telling of a town that is completely insane with murders and all sorts of madness. That's what the premise was. Not whatever the fuck you guys are saying. That's what that's what we're saying, but yeah, uh, it is. we're saying if it they can go back there back in time if they can fix the town and say like it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be darkness and murder. Humans can just be themselves and be happy. That's you a just nice have to message. go back to the 50s and relive it all to make sure that the comet thing doesn't happen is what you're saying. But well, that's not the point. The point is that, like, all we have the capacity to make uh, the world and our lives better if we just take the time to really communicate with each other, be ourselves, accept each other. Then we can make our own perfect Riverdale in whatever town. Well, but not even perfect, I would argue. Like all they're asking is, like Tabitha set up in the very first episode of the season, they're just trying to get to a place where an evil sorcerer it cannot take over Riverdale and bring a comet down to destroy the town. So, you know, on a more reasonable show level, I think what you're saying here, Justin, is. If they could open up the possibility so it's not Riverdale, the town where all the murders happen in the United States, if they could get to a place where it's like, yeah, some bad stuff happens in our lives and there are things that really suck, but there are also good things as well. And we could accept those in equal measure, just like life is. Life is a balance of the good things and the bad things. That's what I think we're heading towards here is them heading towards reasonable wholesome, happy lives that are not utopian, but more realistic, less over the top, over arch, um, the way that we've watched in the first six seasons. But we don't know. Like, Pete, we're making arguments here based on not having seen the last six episodes of the season. So who knows? We're making arguments because you did a fucking interview and now we got to deal with the fallout of that fucking bullshit. It's not (laughs) fallout. I will, you know what, at my journalism job, I'll stop asking questions. Before you go in there uh, and see that movie you're about to go see, let me just tell you what the fucking ending is. Okay, good luck, have fun! No, it's what the ending isn't. Again, this is, I don't like spoilers, and I don't like putting spoilers out there. What are you doing, asshole? This is something that people were speculating about anyway and concerned about because we had publicly seen pictures. So my responsibility as a journalist is to ask about those things and find out about them. It's stuff that we've talked about also. And I think, honestly, we all speculated that it was going to be in the 50s up until the last episode. So like, this is only very slightly different Mm -hmm. to me. We'll see. Again, I think we're... Three different see. perspectives here where Pete is already mad. Justin's in it to win it because the last episode is always the best episode. And I think for me, yep. as long as long as it's a emotionally satisfying episode, it doesn't matter quite to my, as much to me whether in the 1950s or not. I just – being stuck in the 50s is not a cool choice. I mean, sure, the prices of things are more reasonable, but that's it. Oh, the eggs, the shitty, milk, Pete, you love milk. Uh, 
How about this? How about this? I'm going to throw out another scenario to you. They're staying in the 1950s. They never get their memories back. They never remember the previous six seasons, but Bughead is endgame. How do you feel about that? Yeah! I knew it! I knew it! No, that's not... It's fucked up. All right. Well, that was a depressing news section. Why don't we uh, move on and wrap up here by talking about our... Our MVP, it, that that dog barking means it's time to talk about the MVP of the episode. Justin, who's your MVP? A great question. Um, I got to give it up to, um, I mean, it's tough. Yep. First off, the dog. Yeah, why do you go to Pete first? Why do you go to Pete first? Pete, who's your MVP for the episode? I got to say Clay. Uh, Clay and Kevin mm. in this uh, had a great episode. Um, great to see them. Uh, together and um, and love. So, yeah, um, that's who I'm going with. All right. I'll take the flip side of that relationship and give a shout out to Kevin this episode, like we yeah. talked about. You know, it was it was an episode that like like I talked about a couple of episodes past. A lot of Kevin's storylines are rooted in gay trauma. And certainly this gets at that in terms of him being worried that not coming out, but being happy in a relationship is the cause of his parents relationship disintegrating. But I do think it includes that without necessarily explicitly being about that. It is instead about his emotional state and his friends being there for them. And I thought it was really beautifully done. I was really impressed with Casey Cott's performance over the course of this episode. And I'm happy we focused on him. Justin, if them dogs have stopped barking, then the MVPs start a rocking. Take it away. <laughs> Uh, I guess I'll give it up for Archie uh, in this episode, like going from starting off as the center of this musical, All-American Boy, it through like actually making some bigger choices in his life and uh, taking some swings feels like the kind of progression that you want in your character. And uh, I'm, I was happy to see it. Yeah. All right. If you'd like to support this show and all the shows we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, as long as that lasts, after Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast, and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after sweet little motorcycle rides. Ha 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 